The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Welcome, once again, to It Came From The Radio, the official show of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Martora, speaking. This week, I'm flying solo, as we have a smorgasbord of interviews and segments to share with you. We have another Jay Bird Lee segment. Uh, L-Man Jenny Feldy interviews author J.V. Hilliard. Um, senior correspondent Charlie Salino interviews event organizer of the Long Island Comic Fest, uh, J.P., and from the MCON, uh, L-Man Jenny Feldy and senior correspondent Charlie Saladino interview cosplayer Rizuki. Plus, I, Mark, interview the Edge creator, Marvin Wynn. So before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the non-news. It's Marvin time! The non-news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of Sci-Fi.Radio. That's Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the Big Apple Con, for which we are the official radio show of, celebrating our 26 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Their next convention will be the Big Apple Christmas Con, which is scheduled for December 17th of this year. And I want to give out shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Huracan, Yasmin and Ray, and Rosa. If you want to have your own little shout-out, go to our website, www.itcamefromreal.com. Little button on there for donations, go and click on that. It'll take you right to our Patreon page. And just for a dollar, a month, you can get your shout-out on our show, and we greatly appreciate it. As I mentioned before, we have no news, so we're going to take our break, and we'll be right back with the Game from the Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio, the sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. This is Charlie Saladino and... Oh, man. From It Came From The Radio, we're here with the lovely, talented Rizuki Cosplay. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm, I'm a little slice of heaven. What about you, Jen? Well, I really enjoyed the presentation. It was kind of like a crash course. Like, I, you know, you've seen my health crash course. This is a crash course in cosplay, which is a world that I'm very new to. So it was very interesting to see, like, a lot of the do's and don'ts. 
Um, uh, basically, don't do blackface is what my takeaway was yeah. <laughs> from that. No, I'm joking. I'm being facetious. No, but yeah, that is a that is a that is a don't do that. Some people maybe didn't know. I know, but uh, I thought that was kind of funny. It happens every week in cosplay, unfortunately. We every just week? every week. There actually there was an anime which I'm enjoying the anime. It's an anime about cosplay, mm-hmm. and one of the episodes she uses concealer to change her skin tone to like a tanner skin so she can match the cosplay, and it was been heated debate and then people have been bringing up other people's like real people's cosplays where they've changed their skin tone to match a character so it's it's brought up a lot of heated debate and a lot of conversation and it's just unless it's like laura olympus and you're trying to be blue or purple don't cosplay someone's skin tone because that's not the costume the costume is the character the skin tone isn't part of that costume you don't have to do that to be accurate you're accurate without that yeah that's interesting Right. Now, let me, you have to be, I think, personally, you have to be physically fit because when I go to conventions and photograph cosplayers, they get all in these poses, these stretches that would, that would actually give my chiropractor a new wing on a house if I ever tried to do that. The chiropractor should team up with cosplayers. Exactly. As a prevention and a cure-all. I'm thinking you got something, but let me ask you something. Again, how physically fit and how do you have to train to be a cosplayer? I mean, it's funny you say that because I was at the chiropractor this morning. So. <laughs> There you go. But um, I think everyone's different. I know myself personally, like, I enjoy working out. Like, I people call me masochistic, but I'm at the gym like five to six times a week because I just love it. I've been dancing since I was two. I've been doing yoga since I was 18. Like, I just very much enjoy fitness and just doing all of that because I like being flexible. I like being able to run and do all sorts of things. That's just me personally. In terms of cosplay, it's just a matter of endurance, I would say, more than the fitness part of it because everybody's different. I have friends that just, they don't have the stamina and friends that do. And you can see the difference. They need a break after half an hour. So I think it's mostly just an endurance thing and a stamina thing, which that comes into what we talked about in the panel in terms of hydration and eating and all of that. You want to make sure you eat. You want to make sure you hydrate because even you could be the most fit person. And if you don't do that, you're going to pass out. So I would definitely say that um, when it comes to poses, like, for example, JoJo's Bizarre adventure there's the what's called the quote jojo pose and that pose is basically you're leaning you're bending your knees and you're arching all the way back until you can basically you're about to touch the floor i can't do that because i have a bad l5 which is why i see the chiropractor yay (laughs) that's why i see the chiropractor so i can't do that but i know plenty of people that can and they're in varying forms and varying levels of physical fitness and all of that stuff so long story short just hydrate eat, make sure you're nourished and have good stamina for it. And if you know you have a bad back or bad knees or something, don't try to do something you can't do. Take your breaks. Know your body. Now, I heard Jen and yourself talking about um, cosplay as not only the the outfit, but the persona. So, um, Jen, you were saying something about the acting part of that? Uh, well, the acting part it doesn't scare me, but I I'm just totally new to cosplay, so I'm just sitting here and listening and absorbing everything because it's a whole world and it's a whole culture. Um, so I I, I was just saying, yeah, I, I'm not nervous about any acting ab- abilities at all. But 
it's just a new field and uh, I don't want to step on anyone's toes and you know Mark wants me to be sunburst and I want to do it right so I'm trying to figure out all the rules because you can't you, you break the rules you learn the rules then you break them so 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 that yeah but um I have, I'm personally interested in are there any foods or drinks or supplements you take before a busy day of performing <laughs> I know me <laughs> me personally yes because I have like I have a whole, this is going to sound crazy, I have a whole like process for events and conventions. Mm -hmm. So for example, like an event like this, I take protein bars and I have Gatorades because like I know I haven't had anything to eat or drink since that protein bar. If it's a big event like Anime NYC or KatsuCon, I always, in my bag, there's two bottles of water, there's protein bars, there's gushers, there's fruit snacks, there's mixed nuts, things like that to make sure like fiber, potassium, all of that is up, my blood sugar's up so I don't crash and burn because I'm good at crashing and burning. Mm -hmm. But every cosplayer is different. Like my friend that's outside cosplaying Rowlet from Pokemon has a lot of different uh, situations and disorders. So she has a whole plethora of different food items and supplements and things that she has to have with her mm -hmm. to make sure she's okay. Mm -hmm. And then I know other people that they're fine with a Gatorade. Like they literally cannot eat because it makes them nauseous mm -hmm. at the con. So mm -hmm. unfortunately, everyone's completely different. You can't kind of paint something for everybody. But me personally, I just stick with Gatorade and protein bars because I like protein bars. And mm -hmm. strawberry kiwi Gatorade is the spot. <laughs> Um, you've been in the cosplay arena for a while now. Um, how long has it been? Technically, my first cosplay was 1998, 1999. Right. Um, officially, my first con my first like official convention and first cosplay was in 2009. So it's been over 10 years if you look at it that way. Over 20 years right. if you look at it the other way. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Now, as far as cosplay. Costumes. Uh, I know you, you probably, this is not a ridiculous question because I know you just probably cosplay everything you love. But in the beginning, did you ever cosplay something and you, you wore it out and you go, ah, that's not going to work? Yeah, um, I know the majority of my costumes is a character that I love. I, if I love a character, I must be them. So <laughs> that's kind of how I've been flowing. But there was a character that I had someone make the costume for me. And it was with all the best intentions and everything went well. And it, it's a character I love. But it didn't, for none of us, the, I'm sure the person would agree with me if I asked them. Like, if I went and asked them right now, they'd probably say the same thing. None of us were in the right frame of experience and knowledge and know-how with fabrics and techniques and just time and energy and money to be making the proper decisions at the time. And we were much younger. So I think if we looked back and tried to do it now, we would do it better. But when I look at photos of that, I'm just like, mm, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I know they're probably not either. They'll probably not want to put that in their portfolio either. I don't. So... It's a learning curve. Everyone, you know, not, not everything's going to be right for everybody, but communication is key and learn for the next time. Try again. Jen, anything Last else? Question, what's your favorite character to be? And least favorite. Least and favorite. Oh my God, that's tough. 
I'm known for doing Sailor Moon cosplays for the most part. And I've done, I would say I've done Sailor Starfighter and Sailor Venus the most because they're two of my most favorite characters. I love their personalities. I love their characteristics. I love their flaws. I love everything about them. Absolutely everything about them. Even how dumb they are. (laughs) So they're my most favorite cosplays to do regardless of outfit because people just love those characters. Least favorite? That's the tricky one. Least favorite would right now would go back to the costume we were just talking about because it's a character I love, but it, one even when I get a costume that I'm happy with, whether I make it or commission it or whatever I do, it's such a costume. It's such a it's it's gonna be a process. Like in this panel, I was talking about make sure you wear a costume that's gonna be okay to like to go to the bathroom in. This one will not be. So I'm already not looking forward to it, but I want to be this character, so I'm gonna deal with it. But when it's a costume that's difficult to be in, difficult to work in, difficult to pee in, that's when I start getting unhappy. <laughs> Well, I have to say, you are a great speaker. Your cosplay tutorial was uh, very educational. A lot of the kids enjoyed it here. And um, so we're up into the part where you give all your social media out <laughs> so everybody can see how talented you are. <laughs> so I go by Rizuki. It's spelled R-I-Z-U-K-I. On Instagram, it's just Rizuki. On Facebook, it's Rizuki Cosplay. Twitter and Tiki Taki, it's Rizuki Ann. So basically, if it's Rizuki and she's wearing glasses and has pink or blonde hair, it's me. <laughs> okay. That is that is great. Jen, um, I think this young lady here is fabulous. Mm-hmm. What are your views? Yeah, I concur. Awesome speaking and I, I very uplifting and knows what she's talking about and very enjoyable to listen to and motivating. Yeah. And I like the there's the 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 overall message I was joking about the blackface that wasn't the main message that was me being silly um, was basically uh, to do what feels right and there's not too many rules and respect everyone is basically as long as you're respectful it seems like you can kind of be whatever character you want I hope that's what I the right takeaway I think so. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if I could finish that, I, I agree with that. I think the best takeaway I could take from this is everyone, cosplay is a, it's two words, costume, play. And everyone focuses on the costume part. Mm-hmm. Everyone forgets the play part. As long as you're not hurting anyone, as long as you're being respectful and you're having fun, if there's a costume on your body, you're a cosplayer, you're doing it right, have fun. Have fun. And I would like to leave on that very positive message. So, Kazuki Cosplay, thank you so much. Thank you. you. It was a pleasure speaking with you both. Having fun. And back to you, Mark. (laughs) The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Bird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today we're talking about the Bryce Vine concert I went to. Oh, Bryce Vine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I did not get a chance to go with you to this concert. Yep, my uncle took me. Yeah. <laughs> How was it? It was awesome. Uh, we got into the city through the train. 
And then we went. To, I forgot the restaurant we went to. You went to um, Max Brenner, the chocolate place, right? Yeah, and we got this amazing like white che- uh, white chocolate tea latte thing. Okay. And it was amazing. Really. Ten out of ten would recommend. <laughs> you would recommend the white chocolate latte. Yeah. Okay. It was right. very very good. All right. How was the rest of the food? Oh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Uh, my uncle liked it. I thought it was like, it was fine. Okay. It's kind of like a tourist <laughs> trap, right? In a way? Yeah, yeah. You're not wrong about that. All right. Um, anyways, then we went to go to the venue and it was snowing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was snowing at the time. Yep. Um, so we eventually got there after plunging through the snow, I guess. Mm. And um, it was the best thing ever uh we had balcony like balcony uh general admission basically right this was at uh irving plaza irving plaza right okay which is uh two levels yeah right and so we were on the balcony Mm -hmm. and my uncle wanted to stay in the back and i was like i'm not staying in the back so I inched my way towards, like, the front, and Bryce Vine looked at me during his set. It was awesome. <laughs> Get out of here. He looked at you. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's so funny. <laughs> what, what, what's some of the famous songs that he's done? Uh, La La Land. Okay. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And there's Miss You a Little, which is one of his recents. Uh, his most common one right now is American Dream, because he just came out with it. Okay. And what about Sour Patch Kids? Oh, yeah, that one, too. What is that song? I like that one. <laughs> what? Yeah, most people do. That's what he ended with, so it was like... Oh, that's his encore kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's his ending I know. You one. videotaped most of it, too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you could probably... Well, I wanted, I wanted the full Ex- experience and experience it again after. <laughs> so, yeah. Although, I am going again on May 1st. So I'm insanely excited over that. Yeah, so May 1st, hopefully this uh, show airs before then. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. and they're playing at the, he's playing at the Paramount in Huntington. Mm-hmm. On the yeah. island. Um, I can't wait to see that also. I, we have general admission, and hopefully we get front row. <laughs> so you're going to run to the front row yeah. and just like rock it out. Yeah. Are you going to videotape this one the whole Probably time? Probably not the whole time. Because your uncle was very upset that you were videotaping and singing along at the same time. So when he saw the videos, he heard your voice more than Bryce Vines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're not singing the lyrics, are you really excited about the concert? Well, you should be singing. I, exactly. He, he was saying that you should mouth it and not sing, and just yeah not really sing. But no. I've never uh-uh. been in a concert where you. I'm just gonna do be that. screaming the lyrics. There's yeah. no way that I'm going to just yeah. not. No, right. <laughs> okay, so how long have you been a fan of this guy now? I honestly don't know. I've liked his stuff for a while now. Yeah. Um, so how many albums But I found him have? with uh, uncle, our, my uncle. Yeah. And we were at like the iHeartRadio Music Festival or something, and we saw like Bryce Vine come on. And I was like, and we both liked him. Yeah. So we started looking into uh, his songs and all that. And my favorite song by him is Bella. Okay. And my uncle's favorite song is Nowhere Man. 
Okay. Which right. he didn't perform either of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But did you have a great time? Yes. It was amazing, even though he didn't play two of your songs. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm glad that it worked out, you know. And you Me had a too. nice night in the city. Yeah, and now I'm looking forward to the one in Long Island. <laughs> I know. The Paramount's a great place to be. So I don't know. I've never been there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of fun. You're going to have a good time. And <laughs> I you're hope going, so. Yeah, and you're going with your uncle again. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. We'll yep, see you later. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. This is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio. I'm here at the Long Island Comic Fest. What a show. And I'm here with showrunner JP. Jay, how are you? Hey, what's up, man? How's things? Oh, you know, a little slice of heaven. You know, what about you? I am having a field day. We have finally brought the show back after COVID, and the show is doing well. I see a lot of happy faces in the room just with the dealers and with my fans that came to the show, so I couldn't be happier. Yeah. I, um... The thing I observed coming to the show is not being able to get through the aisles, which is a good thing for you. How do you feel about the, the crowds, the volume here? Well, the funny thing about crowds is you always get a little nervous because you don't want it to be too crowded because it could become a problem, but it's a good problem. But I like looking in the room and seeing people digging in comic boxes, just like what I remember as a kid, which is actually why we did this show. So my crowds right now were actually a little under attendance. But I'm not worried about it because the rooms are busy and people are smiling. Yeah, and I've noticed that I see elderly people actually getting young in front of my eyes, going through those comic book boxes and taking out things that they think are treasures and, and, and rushing them, <laughs> rushing buying them and stuff like that. So how does it feel let's let's go back to what you said before how does it feel to be back after this covid thing it feels absolutely amazing i mean one of the things to me and this is this is the whole reason of doing the show i didn't do a show because i needed the money i did this show and created the show and i wanted to bring back what i remember as a kid when i was eight nine and ten years old going to like the basement of the St. Mark's Church in the city to Carbonero's for a show. Or going to an Elks Lodge or like the Pickwick Motor Inn when they had like the Sunday comic show in the in this in the the convention hall or whatever they call it. You know, you're like a little smoky room, like everybody's smoking cigars and stuff and you're in there, but everything was wall to wall comic books. And that's what I remember so fondly. To be able to bring that back again and give the comic fans something that I've listened to them for years say that they want because their biggest complaint at a lot of the big shows have been, where are the comic books? Well, this show is geared solely to the comic books and their creators. To be able to do this again and and be with my comic book people and see smiles on their faces and, and also, I know this may sound silly, but it is true, seeing some guys buying some some big books like you know some mega level key books i mean one guy just dropped about fifteen thousand before we were talking on big keys that makes me happy because that's the heart of the of the hobby and to be able to see the people doing that and like you said the older guys too that you see them come in and now they look like they're nine again 
for that brief moment, that makes it worth it. That's awesome. So I am elated that we're back. That's beautiful. What's ahead for you? Well, every six months we're going to continue to do the show. So the next show is going to be Saturday, October 29th from 10 to 4. Same bat place, same bat channel, same bat times. And... We're just going to keep running with it, you know, do the, do the advertising, make sure that we're not just promoting the show, but we promote all of the local comic book shops that promote us and help support us, which we love those guys dearly, and we'll do everything we can to continue to advertise them on our website and on our social media. Um, we're going to continue to have our sponsors provide the things that they provide for us. We're going to probably look into the future and seeing how can we maybe restructure some of the floor plan to have a few artists you know, given who can do it at what times and so on and so forth, uh, if it permits. And we're just going to keep going, just keep doing it, and give the comic book community what they say that they've wanted. Because at the heart of it, I mean, look, this is a community. That's really what it is. You know, it's it's not a business. It's a community. Because without the fans, nobody in those rooms that are selling right now are selling because then they have nobody to sell to. And we then don't have vendors, which means we don't have a show to put on. So... We try to do as much as we can with Long Island Comic Fest to give back to the community. That's why I have a, a LI Con calendar on our website. All of the cons, all the local shows are on that calendar. I like to help promote the other shows. I like to help the other promoters because ultimately, who are we helping? We're helping the comic book community. We're helping the fans. Guys, here's all of the shows. Here's all of the comic shops. Here's the info for the vendors that do these shows that maybe don't have brick and mortars, right? We don't give out all that information for our benefit. We're giving that out to the fans. We want them to know where are these people, where are their stores, where are the other shows, so they can go out and enjoy the hobby like I used to do when I was a kid back in the 70s and 80s. Now it's time for me to give a little bit of that back, and we're just going to keep that mantra and keep moving forward with it, and hopefully the community continues to enjoy it because it's only as good as it is to them. The minute that they don't like it anymore, then you don't have anything. So hopefully... We can keep giving them the things that they need that makes them happy, that helps them to continue collecting and reading and being a fan. And I just have to say to our fans, if you missed this Comic Fest, please make the next one because it is all about comics. And and that's what the crust of this is about. Comic-Con, this, there's the Comic-Con. This is Comic-Con because it's just comic books. And people who love comic books, this is your place to be. Tell me about your social media and, once again, remind us when the next one might be. All right, so for social media, mainly we have our website, uh, www.licomicfest.com. We have our Facebook page, and we have our Facebook group. So at least for the page, it's uh, facebook.com slash licomicfest. I, I don't remember the group name offhand because it's like a weird name. It's not just LI Comic Fest. Then we have our Instagram, which is you know Instagram at licomicfest.com. And on our social media, it, you'll find advertisements for our vendors. You'll find advertisements for our sponsors. You'll find you know funny memes and stuff like that, too. Uh, you'll find information that's going on about the show, uh, about floor layouts, about when shows are coming up, which the next one, again, is October 29th, which is a Saturday. I know, guys, it's, that it's a Halloween before weekend. Halloween's on Monday, but during the day, none of us are going to costume parties, so come down to the show and have a good time, and then do what I'm going to do and go to your costume party Saturday night after the show. And... Uh, 
that's about it for the social media. You know, of course, we have our email, uh, info at licomicfest.com, where vendors, fans, you can inquire about vending, you can inquire about dates, about, let's say, guests, or about other vendors who's going to be there. Do that all just by emailing us at info at licomicfest.com. And that pretty much covers uh, the social media presence. Okay, JP, thank you. I know you are very busy here. Thank you for your time. And, uh, oh, my God, it's, it's, like I said, it's an amazing place. And it's just, uh, it's, it's amazing festival here, the Comic Fest. And, uh, you know, if you don't make this one, remember, Halloween weekend. And uh, get down. Once again, Jay, thank you for your time. And uh, good luck. It, it looks great. So... Thank you so much. It was great to see you guys. You helped support us on the very first show in 2020. I'm pleased and pleasured to have you guys back. It was awesome to see you because it's been a while. You know, COVID kind of killed some of the relationships for a bit because we were all away from each other. So it was awesome to see you guys. I love you. Thank you so much for helping to promote and to support the show. And you know you guys are welcome anytime. Oh, and thank you so much for the hospitality. This is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio at the Long Island Comic Fest. Back to you, Mark. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to Came from the Radio, the facility Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me, virtual distancing, of course. We have none other than comic creator, Marvin Wynn. Go on. So, Marvin, it's been a while since uh, you've been on our live show. I believe you were um, last year on our live show. Yes. And you were working on various projects. So, let's fill in what has happened between then and now. So right now, I'm currently working on a Kickstarter for The Edge Volume 1. So this is going to be the trade paperback uh, containing issues 1 through 4 and also some extras. So those extras are going to take up the, uh, the trade to over 130 pages. And we're also going to have some other rewards. So we actually worked with um, Comics on Coffee, and we're going to do an Edge blend of coffee uh, available to be available through this Kickstarter. All right. So what does that taste like? Uh, it's a medium blend. I mean, it's, it's not, I don't want to say it's anything special, but uh, we didn't get a chance to get a special bean, but we're going to do another one uh, soon. And we're going to get a special bean, like a green bean or something really strong that's really going to take you further into to the edge. Wow. That's awesome. Now, um, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's about um, people getting superpowers, right? Through a unique circumstance, correct? Yes. So, so does the coffee give you special powers as well? <laughs> oh, that's what I'm going to tell people. It's like, so <laughs> the, you got, you're drinking the edge. So you're going to get the edge, you know, get those special abilities. But remember those, all those abilities come with consequences because they're see they're going to cost you your life or your sanity. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if anybody's really going to be wanting to go to the edge at all. If they, if they, if they have a choice. All right. So now you bring it up. If you had the choice, life or sanity, which one are you going to go for? <laughs> I would probably say my sanity because I mean I could probably function if I've, I've lost it, I've lost my my facilities and my brain 
Uh, I don't think I want to just die or burn out or explode. All right, fair enough. So let's uh, remind the um, audience, what is The Edge about? So The Edge is about a drug called The Edge, of course. Uh, Like I said, that it gives special abilities, but there are consequences to those abilities. Uh, Our first issue introduces us to the character of Revenant, who is a former assassin for the government, who has decided that he no longer wants to work for the government, so he goes rogue. Uh, A strike team is formed to eliminate or to bring him back in, and then craziness happens. So there's a lot of gray areas in this book where we're not going to right out and out tell you who the good guy or bad guy is because everyone is trying to survive, which means that you're going to do whatever you need to do to survive in certain situations. So you're going to do some kind of nefarious things every once in a while uh, if it helps you to achieve your goals. Do you find that making things of more of a gray area as opposed to black and white leads to credence and more um, well-rounded characters? Or do you find the classic good guy, bad guy uh, tropes can, can give you good stories as well? well? I think both can work. Uh, but for in our, in our situation, we, we're trying to make this uh, more of a real, kind of a real work situation with extenuating circumstances where everyone is not all good and everyone is not all bad. Everyone has those those different shades to their personality that makes them a fully formed person. I mean, it'd be nice if everyone could be like Superman and is always out to do the right thing at all times, but that's not the way the world is and people have their motivations. So you, you want to try to write stories around things that are familiar to you and to try to write characters that have different motivations and and you put obstacles in their way and not everyone's going to go around going to uh, figure out how to get to an obstacle you want to go over it you want to go around it you want to dig a hole to go through it or you want to just blow it up how much preparation do you do when you're developing these type of characters because obviously the more layers you add to a person the more complicated the character is and the more work goes into it so i think it's an, an overtime thing as you're you have you have a set idea of how what you want the character to be, but as you go along in the story and you um, complicate the story and you introduce more characters and you give the characters background, it starts to bloom and expand the characters out into think into some places where I wasn't even aware that we were going to go in those directions. So, is it a situation where the characters take on their own life and the story takes a life of its own? Right. I mean, it, it, once once you get embroiled with a character, sometimes the character starts talking to you and they they tell you, well, I'm, this is the direction we need to go in with that. And sometimes things surprise you. Like uh, Mark and I were talking, uh, the artists were talking, and he noticed something that I didn't really notice that I had written in the story. And it took us off in another direction that uh, we really, really weren't going to touch on. Like we had a, like a little idea on it, and then it just exploded into something else with uh, with one of the characters. So this is a, a Kickstarter for the graphic novel. So right. this, you said it was five issues that are already all together? This is going to be uh, four issues and uh, three previews of upcoming issues and then okay. some, ex- some extra stuff. Okay, so four issues plus bonus material for this graphic yes. novel. Right. So that means you've had four other issues released. Did you do four different Kickstarter campaigns or this is your first Kickstarter campaign? This is going to be my the first Kickstarter I've ever done. So what is the biggest takeaway you've uh, gotten from the Kickstarter world as opposed to doing um, print uh, physical copies initially? 
so, uh, so I actually started working on the Kickstarter back in December, so I putting the pieces together, and I've had anxiety ever since. <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't hit the launch button. I've, I'm already have anxiety about this. Uh, so when I hit the approval button in January, it was approved almost like within 30 minutes. So I've had that time to go and like look at other people's Kickstarter, see what other people are offering, and then try to, I, I don't want to set the goal really high because I don't want to take the chance of me missing it. So I, I set it like middle range of where I think it should go just to get it funded. So that's my goal is to get it funded. Uh, all the this, the material is done, so most of what the money is going for is for printing and shipping. And um, that's an important thing. Uh, we've we've discussed this many times on our show, and um, we actually mentioned it before uh, we recorded uh, this interview. How a lot of times you have people who make products in Kickstarter that don't have the product to be made. Um, I do want to put the other side is that the idea original idea of Kickstarter is to help you get it done. Mm -hmm. But what are your thoughts on having projects that are done as opposed to halfway done or as opposed to not even close to being done? Well, I, I think it's it's what your goal is in the Kickstarter. I mean, are you like you can't let's say that the product is a electric razor and the money is being used for manufacturing. So you could have a prototype, but you need that extra that, that money for the Kickstarter for manufacturing of the product. Uh, it's a little different with comics in that you can have that comic done and be able to then kickstart it and then use that money for, as I said, the manufacturing of the product. I mean, I think it's different for when it's a some kind of electronic product or it's a cooler or it's a 3D printer than it is with a comic. I think when you're dealing with a comic, I think when before you start, most of that should be done because... I mean, it's it's a it's a comic, and people aren't really going to want to wait two years to get a comic book, like <laughs> they would, would, would for some a, a microphone or something like that that someone is kickstarting. That it has to be it has to go to wherever it has to go to be manufactured. I think you got a lot of leeway with that kind of stuff, but before a comic, having to wait two years is painful. And do you find that because of the pandemic, Kickstarter has blown up in the comic book world? I think it has. I think that uh, I think that you have a lot of things that happened um, in the last two years. You had the Diamond shut down. You had the Marvel shut down. You had DC leave Diamond. Now you have Marvel leaving Diamond. So there's been a lot more wiggle room in the indie realm of stores and customers looking for product because they're not getting what they want from from these other uh, these other uh, comic book publishers. So uh, and Kickstarter has been a big proponent of getting things to customers. Um, and like, we're, go we're going to still have stuff for stores. So one of the um, rewards will be a store reward, which will have uh, the trade and the single issues also. Oh, okay. Um, one of the most important things is, is it a full story? Do you have an ending in mind for the edge or is it an ongoing series? So it's a, it's a, it is an ongoing series. When we first started working on this, I did have it ended to the mind for the, for the end of the story. But we've been having so much fun with this and people are having so much fun uh, telling us they're enjoying it so much that, I mean, we'll keep it going as long as people are enjoying it. I mean, I don't want it to be where we start, it starts bogging down and we just like just throwing any kind of story out there. As long as the story is still relevant and people are enjoying it, we, we'll keep it rolling. So you don't want it to be 30 years uh, continuing story? <laughs> I mean, if it, if it, if it comes to that, yes, but I just, I don't see it going that far where, 
it's not going to be exciting because you have to swap characters. Like you can't keep the same characters in the same position that they've been for 30 years. That doesn't work for me. It works for other uh, publishers, but that's not going to work for our characters because eventually they're going to burn out. Uh, literally. <laughs> so <laughs> eventually the edge is going to come calling and it's going to be end up. All right. Um, so we were at social media times. So where can people find out more about the campaign, more about you, more about the company? Go. So uh, you can go to the edgecomic.com that is currently pointing to the Kickstarter. So you can sign up uh, for updates and, and for when it launches on 420. Uh, you can find me at the Edge Comic on Facebook and Instagram and at Marvin Wynn on Twitter. So you mentioned perks. We, we talked about the coffee. Any other perks that you want to throw out there to say, satiate the audience? Yeah, so we're going to have a hollow foil uh, cover uh, for issue one. Uh, we're going to have four new covers uh, for, issue, uh, for issue one, two, three, and four. It's going to be a four-part a four part connecting cover, which we'll have an upgrade to a silver foil cover for that. Uh, we've got the coffee. We're going to have stickers. We're going to have trading cards. We've got some of these uh, mystic statues left over, and we might sneak in some of the action figures in, into, into there. All right, so we're almost out of time. So you have any final thoughts you want to share with the audience? Uh, we just want to let you know that we're going to take you all the way to the edge and make push you over. <laughs> well, my final thought is this. Uh, thank you for being a guest on the show. Uh, you're a really cool guy. I would like to meet you in person one of these days, but the, uh, the concept is really cool. And you are really, I would have to say you're a good champion of independent creators in comics, in addition to being your own independent creator yourself. So I want to commend you on that little bit as well. Thank you. Um, so with that, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with Came from the Radio. All right. Enjoy. Prithi if you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. <gasps> Hi, Radioheads. L-Man here with fantasy adventure author J.V. Hilliard. Hello. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, and thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the time. So you work in D.C. doing something pretty important with the government, and you write very detailed literature. So I want to know what habits, food, sleep, and rest practices, supplements, and company keeps you energized to accomplish so much? Sure. Well, you're right. I mean, I do a lot of travel. Uh, my job takes me to D.C. to do government affairs. I'm a lobbyist by day and I'm a, an author by night. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you kind of find your own sort of rhythm uh, in doing that. I've been doing that for over 20 years now. And, and a lot of that is uh, it's become a little bit of, of, of habit. Uh, but, you know, I find writing as escapism. So for me, it's not mm. work. It actually is re-energizing in many ways. It's sort of the way I look at, uh, at mental health is. You know, it's it it's something that has grown from a hobby into something that is is a second profession. Mm -hmm. And I've always had a lot of energy. I'm not the kind of guy that needs a lot of sleep. Uh, typically, I'm you know sleeping six hours a night, and that's good enough for me. Um, you know, but I also you know hit a, an exercise bike once a day for for an hour uh, to get some cardio in, and and always try to you know keep my energy levels high. But I can tell you this right now: I've never had a problem with energy. It's always been falling to sleep for me it's my, my mind works a little longer than i think most do so 20 minutes 30 hours to unwind or 20 minutes 30 minutes to unwind 
you know, every night before I go to bed is, is uh, something that I think, uh, you know, I've gotten into the practice of, I shut down the, the, all of my devices, you know, kind of try to do my best to kind of, you know, uh, you know, hit the break a little bit. And then that helps, helps me fall asleep quicker. So quick tip, um, right behind or in front of me, I have an elliptico and I just ordered a treadmill with a desk because um, just jumping on cardio equipment or just walking around the block is a great way to help with writer's block or doing anything creative, just three to five, even 10, 15 minutes, just get some exercise and then go back to the task. That really seems to help. And quick tip for you, which I give to everyone. So for anyone listening, you've already heard this, um, rice and potatoes. So this is coming from me and there's also studies on rice and potatoes and, um, well, potatoes, not Prozac is one book. So it helps with the (laughs) serotonin helps with calm the potatoes and rice has actually been shown to help you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. So, I have rice and potatoes before bed almost every night and it helps to bring me down. So maybe that's something you can try. A lot of people have told me that it helps. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a great tip. I, I, I'm one of those guys that have a hard time eating breakfast. Like when I get up in the morning, I'm never hungry Uh, and I can go all the way to lunch. And so it's sort of this, you know, ad hoc intermittent fasting uh, that's just, I've picked up. and, and, And I think part of that goes back to, uh, a time where I would rarely eat a full meal. I would kind of graze throughout the day, you know, granola bar here, snack there, half a lunch there. Or I have a tendency during my meetings professionally to talk a lot. Uh, and so I never get, you know, people will sit down and eat a whole lunch in front of me. And the best I can do is maybe cut a sandwich in half and get a couple of bites in while someone else is talking. So, uh, you know, that's something that I've had to work uh, work on to ensure that I'm getting the right kind of nutrition for the stuff that I do. Well, you want to get the nutrition in, but uh, according to any Instagram health guru, the whole breakfast thing uh, was like cool in the 80s, 90s, and now it's cool to skip breakfast and do like a 16 to 18, even 24-hour fast. So according to a lot of people, you're actually doing the right thing. So I wouldn't work too hard or beat yourself up about having breakfast. Moving to the next question. Sure. Um, very similar question, almost the same. What behaviors, foods, exercise, and events seem to lead to writer's block or what events seem to happen before your most creative times? So, you know, for me, uh, I think that the, and this is, may sound typical uh, on the, I'll answer the second question first. Or either for one. Me, when, I, when I listen to music uh, and, or I'm reading someone else's work, that's when new ideas come to me. Uh, it's almost sort of a, a shared creativity. And, and I think people that work in the creative world, you know, whether it's music that's inspiring you or music that's putting you into a certain mood, whether it's a, a scene that you need to write that is tense or one that's filled with battles or one that's, you know, bringing lovers together. I think those are kind of things that you have to listen to. You can't listen to Metallica if you're writing a love scene, but you can listen to Metallica if you Could. want to write. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to write a battle scene, I would recommend Five Figure Death Punch and Metallica for sure. Okay. Uh, but, you know, you know, I think that's something that, that helps the creative juices flow. Um, as well as I plan, uh, uh, you know, and, and it's just, I guess, my nature. I always do a lot of planning. I've got a little touch of OCD in me. And, you know, it makes me, uh, so if I plan and it's on my calendar to write for an hour a day, mm-hmm. I use that hour, whether it's during my professional day or during the evening hours whenever I do I have to in my head I I know that I've got to get to that and that keeps me on task which prevents writer's block Mm. Uh, but to your point uh, things that that 
the writer's block for me happens when I get distracted. You know, sometimes, you know, during this is one of my busiest times of year. It's hard for me to write consistently uh, around this time because I've got so many professional responsibilities. Um, so that's why it's, it's, it's very important for me to plan to make sure I have that. And I think that's a real healthy balance for me. So I deal with a lot of heavy stuff during the day, dealing with tech and defense and government, a true reality check. And then at, at night and during the evenings, this is my way to kind of not only unwind, but also sort of recharge the battery. I love that you write these books to unwind. See, a lot of think people would find this very overwhelming, which leads to my next question perfectly, perfectly planned. Okay. Scott Adams said, what if laziness is a habit about thinking about the cost of things instead of thinking about the payoff? So when you become begin a project, do you think about all the things you have to do or do you focus on the payoff or a little in between? So I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a planner. So for me, I don't mind the part where you're putting together the, the, the bricks in the right order and Legoing the story together. You know, I think that that layering actually helps me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I write my stories from end to beginning. I always re- I reverse engineer them so that I don't miss any of the details when I'm writing. them. So it's not a laziness. And I encourage this with other, when I, when I talk to other writers who experience writer's block or, um, you know, worry about what you had just described, you know, is it the cost or is it, you know, the, the payoff, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I think the sunken cost in all of this is the planning. Like I, unlike others in my business who can just sit down, they're called pantsers, by the way, plotters are me. Someone that flies by the seat of their pants are called pantsers oh. and pantsers have this innate ability to just start writing a story and it, it flows for them. And I find a lot of those folks often hit writer's block. I mean, Stephen mm. King, for the, the, the great historical author that he is, often gets criticized because some of his endings aren't as good as some of the beginnings. And it's because he has a tendency to write as a pantser, where I wow. am complete opposite. I, I can't just sit down and write. I literally have to know what I'm about to write, have planned it out almost to ensure that I don't miss anything. I, I tease yeah. that my books never have any uh, empty spaces in them. There's no, there's no room because everything's in there for a reason. And it's because I have this strange reverse engineering style of doing it. Um, so for me, the sunken cost is the price you pay. It's almost like that, uh, the, the theory about uh, deferred gratification, where it's like, hey, if I do this today, the reward is down the road. And it's understanding that uh, that helps me get to that reward. Yeah, I think I'm like that too. I, the only thing I would be a pantser on new new term would be old journals. You know, journals that just you see where you're gonna go. But when it comes to any type of sketch, I usually you know. Actually, that's not true. I've been writing sketch comedy recently, and then the last two, we see where we're gonna go. But you know what? I'm writing What's it that? with a pantser. I'm not writing it alone. So maybe that's why I don't know the ending. Oh, so they're sucking oh. you in, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I have to go okay. with them, yeah. Yeah, and when I get writer's block, I just call another creative. I have friends that I, uh, you know, have, whether they're fellow authors or someone else, and it doesn't have to be an author. It could just be mm-hmm. someone that you can bounce ideas off of. Uh, and you tell them something. You let them beta read something, or you share an idea and say, does this suck? <laughs> and let them tell you whether or not it, uh, it does or doesn't. And, and, you know, frankly, I think I do some of my best thinking and best planning when I'm on an exercise bike 
uh, when I'm in a gym, I mean, you, you're, I'm listening to music, you're inspired by the exercise, there's sort of that rush of the things that you're, you're doing, and it gets you thinking about those things. So I, I have little notepads in my car, I carry around a folder with me everywhere I go, and I've used the, you know, the notes and memo stuff on my phone to remind myself of things so that I can then plug them into the stories, whether it's story one or story four, making sure they, they fit along that line. But you know, I think, I think that's, that's how I work. So you just said that you don't really have filler. So that was another question <laughs> in a different Uh-oh. interview. I've been studying you. You said that if you say something, there's a reason. Your writing seems to be void of filler, according to you. Well, we don't know about what the critics say. Haha. <laughs> uh, are you like that in real life communication too? Or do you engage in that vapid, how are you in the filler talk? Uh, or is I it am all a lobbyist. That? I am a lobbyist, so of course I schmooze all day long, right? So it's there's a level of diplomacy uh, that comes with the job that I Teach do me. during the day, right? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so for me, sometimes you do have to fill that void. Someone sometimes there's awkward gaps, uh, and I deal with a lot of Type A personalities, mm-hmm. and you know the you know, the folks you deal with that are on the Hill, whether they're in Congress or at the White House or Department of Agency, are usually leaders, and they they tell you what they mean. They don't have time. Uh, for, you know, just extraneous conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, the, you know, to make that gap work uh, and to fill those voids, sometimes whether it's with clients or in sales meetings or when you're trying to convince someone to take an action on behalf of the client. And I'm sorry about the, I have a husky in the background oh, and there's someone at my door. So that's Thor. He's just yelling. We'll be done in getting, two minutes. So don't worry. He's, he, no, no, you're fine. He knows he's getting pizza. So we're all good. So Aww. that's yeah, that's what's going on there. But uh, yeah, so you know, for me, I engage in that kind of diplomatic exchange on a daily basis, you know, and, you know, when when I write, I just, again, it, 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 I don't, I don't want to sound anti-creative, but it's, it's the creative process for me is planned. Mm-hmm. It's not spontaneous, mm-hmm. uh, where my day job, sometimes you have to, you have to go with the flow and, and, mm-hmm. and someone that, you know, might understand that from a performance perspective, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when you're in front of an audience, and you see that a routine isn't working the way that it should, you change and go in a different direction, right? So no, I just you know, said, keep those, going. I said, come with me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. no, exactly no. right. Yeah, follow along. I'll get you there. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking not to the plan. You. That's right. So and so you you get that as 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 part of um, you know as part of what I do during my day job, and then at, at night uh, I'm a completely different. I switch the switch flips, and you know, and that's how I do my writing. So you said you're involved in government affairs. Uh, yes. Which is your favorite affair? M- mine is a Monica and Bill. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, we're at the end of the interview. That went really fast. So could you please tell our listeners where we can find you, website, social media, anything you want to plug? Yeah, sure. So it's easy to find me. JVHilliard.com is the website. You can also find me on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at JV Hilliard Books. And on Facebook is just JV Hilliard. Uh, and of course, my, my books are available uh, along a number of, of distribution platforms. Most popular, of course, is Amazon, but you can find it at any, any, uh, any platform that you want to go to. So if you prefer Apple Books or Barnes & Noble, or you like audiobooks, you can download ebooks, audiobooks, and uh, get a paperback. And if you want a Husky that talks a lot, you know, uh-huh. you know, you, you could come and listen to a couple of my interviews because he's on some of them. Some of them, he's hanging <laughs> over my head, looking out the window. Uh, in other cases, he's just talking because he wants pizza. 
I like <laughs> Apple. I don't know about Apple Books. Your dog wants pizza. I hope you enjoyed JV Hilliard. And now back to more. It came from the radio. Hey, it's Marissa Jade, your favorite mob wife, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on It Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com, Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.